You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Deborah Eckerling author of your goal guide and creator of the Deb method for goal setting simplified. You can't reach your goals on your own. You need your people. So every week I bring in some of my people to dive into the topic. And today we are talking about creating courses and I'm excited. I wanted to cover this for a while and here we are. And we have course creator extraordinaire, Nancy Geary. Thank you for the intro, Anastasia. And we have Jason Van Orden, who I met because of his GEM networking meetups. So thank you, Robbie Samuels, for that introduction. (laughs) And uh, well, this is the thing. You need your people. So we get to be each other's people. And whether you're watching live or the replay, or you may even be listening to us as an episode of the Dev Show podcast on the Marketing Podcast Network. We are glad you're here and feeling, we hope, inspired to take action on those course creation goals. So before we um, before we dive in, why don't I let you all introduce yourselves? I was going to say better, but all I basically said was you're awesome. So yes, please share uh, who you are, why you're here, and why you are so excited to talk about this topic. So Nancy. All right. Well, my name is Nancy Geary and I've been working in the course creation business for my professional career. I work with businesses of all sizes from solopreneurs to fortune 100 companies and everybody in between. And it's all about helping you either monetize your expertise and, or get the best work you can out of your team. And they're all in. So teamwork was last week's topic. So oh. I love. I feel like this is a nice little dovetail into into this conversation. So awesome! I am really glad you're here, Jason. I'm glad you're here too. And that let me just let me fix the banner. That's not you. Now we, there you go, Jason. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Deb. So it's. Uh... Great to be here. My name is Jason Van Orden. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm a business strategist that works specifically with coaches who are at that point that they want to go from a one-to-one based business model to a one-to-many business model uh, because they want to help more people. They want to serve more people and they'd love to increase their income. But when you're working one-to-one at some point, it maxes out. There's only so much of your time and energy that you can sell. So have them organize their unique approach to delivering results into a signature process wrap that up into an evergreen premium group course, and then upgrade their marketing and sales systems to be able to keep that course filled on a regular basis because selling one-to-one 
versus selling one mini, it's a, a different thing. And so there's some adjustments to make there. I'm sure we can talk about some of that today. Mm-hmm. But that is, uh, that's what I do. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I was right when I said it was a really good <laughs> mix um, <laughs> yeah. on the different sides of this Definitely. conversation. Uh, and you, you kind of both answer this. I know you did, Jason, but I'm going to ask it point blank. Why create courses? Yeah. So yeah, there are a lot of different reasons why you might want, want, might want to create a course as an expert. And certainly one of them is that you can take your intellectual property and take it farther. And, and you know, one of the things that actually excites me most about creating a course is similar to like when you write a book or something, it forces you to really formalize what it is that you do and how you do it and who you do it for. Like you have to sit down and put some deep thought and not to say that you're not doing great work when you're just working intuitively one-on-one with people. But, you know, we all know that to grow a business, you got to get your operations in order so that not everything is on your plate. And we'll do that with so many different things in our business. And then sometimes expert-based businesses don't think about, well, I need to do that with my intellectual property as well. I need to organize it in a meaningful way. So that's why I love working with coaches and consultants to help them do that is it's not just about creating the program, but it's about formalizing their unique genius in a way that allows them to communicate it, deliver it in a more you know powerful, efficient, broader way to reach more people. Uh, so they can have a bigger impact in the world, specifically with those people that they are uniquely positioned and meant to serve. I love that. And I kind of feel like I should wait for this question, but I'm not going to. So Nancy, you can also answer it as a part two, but why a course as opposed to a book or speaking or something else? And I have mm-hmm. had uh, this conversation with a, with a friend who was organizing a new course concept. And my answer was write a book proposal to help get it organized. So and so I think what I think that's exactly what she did is she wrote it as a book proposal and then was able to use that, the structure of the course. So why a course for, versus a book? Well, I think m- most people should have both because there, there are two ways for you to get your, uh, I like to say, I use the term bundle your brilliance. So, and you can bundle your brilliance in a lot of different ways. And some people want to read a book. Some people want to take a course. So you can, you know, you can reach then two different markets. And if you think about it just too, from in, in terms of what you're going to earn over time, you know, the book, you put the book out, it's 1995, let's say. And then, you know, special day on Kindle, it's a penny or, or whatever the minimum amount is you can do, right? Well, of course, you can start out at um, a higher price point. So you don't need to sell as many courses as you do books. And I think it's, not to necessarily look at things from the perspective of a course, but think of it as you as part of your business, you've got a series, you've got programs. And a course is one of the things could could fall under a program. Um, similar to what Jason was saying before, if you're working as a coach, if you can take the basic information that you say over and over and over and over again, and you extract that and you put it into an online course format, then when you work with people, you can work with them at a deeper level. You also have the opportunity to serve more people. So you can go from the do-it-yourself crowd to the really the high-ticket VIP client where where working one-on-one makes sense. So the more ways we can engage with our community, the, the more people we can serve, 
And it's just a greater opportunity overall. Uh, Jason, your thought? Uh, on the book versus course thing? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree completely with Nancy that it's a good idea to have uh, both of them. Now, I guess, you know, chicken or egg, it could go in a number of ways with that. I mean, I often... One one thing I will say to add this to the conversation is that if if you are writing a book and you think at some point you would like to turn that into a course, that's good to know when you're actually putting the book together because mm-hmm. often I'll have authors come to me and they've got the book and it's a great book. Now they want to turn it into a course, but there's so many things that could have been done inside of the book to really have it make that connection into having the right people raise their hand because you don't necessarily know who's bought a book and read it, right? Unless you build into your book different ways to encourage them to come to your website, to sign up for an email list, to get additional materials outside of the book so that then you can continue that relationship with the book reader. And at the point that they might be ready for more, which might be immediately after reading the book, maybe they're excited to get going and implement. Maybe it's down the road and they remember, you know, your book and now they'd like to go deeper with it um, that you've, you've already got them in your orbit. So to speak, and that requires some planning at the time of, writing the book in order to uh, do that. And whether you're making a course or not, I think that's a good idea to try to, you know, bridge that gap between book and like customer journey based, you know, relationship with the people in your crowd. Um, so th- there's, there's something I would add to that. Uh, yes, definitely. It all needs to fit into your business model and yeah. how you want to engage with your clients. I will say if someone's already written, if somebody comes to me and they have, they've written a book, it's an easier path forward when they come to me and they go, Hey, you know, I'd like to make a course and this is my expertise because they've already got some kind of an organizing scheme. And then you can step back and you can say, do you want the book and the course to work together? Are, the, are these going to be complementary pieces or do you want to replicate it? I had one person, she did, uh, it was all about mental health for pilots. So the book talked about the problem. It talked about the challenges, it raised awareness, but then the course got into, okay, if you're a pilot, what can you do to take better care of yourself so that you can, you can keep on flying. That's such a cool topic. Mental health for pilots. I mean, yeah. see, this, is, yeah, who knew? this is why we need to yeah. help people get their ideas out there. <laughs> exactly. when, it's awesome. It's All amazing right. what can the different types of content that you, you, you can come across and that's, I think, the fun of, of what we do is that, you know, we're learning something new all the time as oh, well. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons I love what I do is I, I love the novelty of discovering the topics of mm-hmm. you know, each of the individuals and their perspective on those topics as well, for sure. I, I love the windy road we're going on. Let's, let's keep <laughs> that journey. And, and I did put in the chat, one of the things I did when I released your goal guide was I created a Facebook group so mm-hmm. people reading the book could ask questions and, you know, get little bonus inspiration. So we, we need, and I also did put in a resource section with mm-hmm. the different topics. If you want to learn more about this goal path, that goal path, more resources. So I am with both of you in the more knowledge that you can share so you can inspire and get your clients, whether they're readers or course takers, is that a word or other yeah. <laughs> course takers or consultants. So all the pieces work together. Is that what we're saying? Is we're in agreement they on? should, if you've done, your, should, if you've done yeah. your work, they should. <laughs> they should. shouldn't be disparate. Okay. So what is the first step then? Let, let's back up a little bit. What is the first step for creating a course? 
Knowing who's for who it's for. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times people come to me and say, like, I've got this idea for a course. You think it'd make a good online course? It's a yoga course. And like, I don't know. <laughs> who's yeah. it for? Right. Yeah. It's one thing to make a course on photography. It's another thing to say, I'm making a course for amateur digital photographers who now want to go semi-pro so they can make some money to help them pay for this expensive hobby. And, you know, like that's a very, or parents who want to be able to document their child's life, make, taking some great photos versus somebody who's already a professional digital photographer and wants to know how to be more efficient as a photographer so they can make more time, more money with their time. Right. So these are right. all different audiences in a similar, similar vein in terms of the topic, but so I always say, look, it's got to start with who is it for and what's the outcome you're going to deliver to them? Because until, unless you know those two things really specifically, like your, your, your course, could, so many things can go awry without being clear yeah. on those things. And oftentimes people are not clear about the outcome. They're yeah. not clear about, okay, when, you know, by the end of this course, what is that person going to be able to do that they couldn't do before? What are they going to know that they didn't know? And in some instances, it's, you know, how are they going to feel? you know, what's the, what's the change? What's the transformation? And if you're not clear about that, the ripple effect through everything you do can be very problematic because then you'll have somebody, they'll sign up for a course thinking it's going to be, maybe it's going to be of the pro the, in your example, Jason, the photographer that's already, already in business signs up for the course, but it really is for somebody who's just getting started and says, I want to take great pictures with my phone. You know, it's, it's you know, there's going to, there's, there's potentially then a mismatch. Yeah. And then you end up instead of building and elevating your brand, taking it down. Yeah. That's such a good point about the outcomes, Nancy, because I find that's, yeah, it gets overlooked so much and people that they're not buying information. They're actually not buying no. your expertise. They're buying the outcome that they'll exactly. get. And the truth of the matter is like, if you could give them in five minutes and one sheet of paper, the thing they want, that could still that might still sell for five thousand dollars if yeah. the outcome is worth it to them, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Like they'll be like, "Great, I don't have to watch five hour course. I can just look at one sheet of paper and now you know I'm exaggerating to make the point, but that what they're buying is the outcome. And so exactly. your your marketing and your messaging and the curriculum itself are mm -hmm. you know, not going to be uh, focused enough if you don't get those two things straight. Right. And then what it does for the creator is it gives you a focus. Yeah. So you so you get little, you know, ideas come in, the shiny objects show up and you know, it looks at you and goes, pick me, pick me. And you gotta say, you fit or you don't fit. And you know, yeah. putting it aside. I was I talk about I like I think about I'm a big Snoopy fan. He's sitting on the top of the doghouse and you know, he's typing away. It was a dark and stormy night, a shot rang out. <laughs> and then he's like, Now what do I do? Where do I go? Because he doesn't he hasn't decided how the story is gonna end <laughs> as he's right. in that mode. He has no idea what the characters are going to do. Anyway, and he's a dog too. So. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> I love, and she's a dog. You know, it's the, the, that's the afterthought. It's so true. It, it's so the D and the Dev method stands for determine your mission. So I am mm -hmm. completely in alignment with what you're saying because if you don't know what you're going for, you can't get what you want. And so, absolutely. I, I love that end of, end of the the path sort of philosophy. Okay, you know the transformation. You know who it is for. Now what? Oh, well, after after those two steps. Yes, after, uh, well, you, after yeah, you get uh, that foundation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to? Yeah, go ahead, Nancy. You, you take. That well, one. then once you've decided who it's for, then you want to take a look at well, what do you already have for, in terms of your mm -hmm. content? Do you have 
content that exists or not. So, but, but even before that, then you want to start framing out. So if I want to get them here and they're here, what do I need to tell them to move them up so they get to that point? So it's really, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, come up with an, come up with an outline, focus on what you want to teach. And then when you're clear on the what, then you think, it, okay, now how can I teach this? What's the best way for me to teach this content given whatever delivery method I choose, whether it's going to be an online evergreen course, whether it's going to be uh, done via Zoom or in person, because each of those has different opportunities and constraints that you need to consider when you're building. Yeah, I mean, that's a great outline. Essentially, we're saying like, know who it's for, what is the outcome, then how are this, the process you're going to use to get them there, and then what's the experience you're going to wrap that whole exactly. thing in, exactly. right? And um, something really important that you were touching on was that, um, yeah, like once you know the outcome, I start, I say, well, let's break that down into milestones. And we want each of those milestones to feel meaningful. I mean, you like this, Deborah. It's like, it sounds like setting good goals, right? It needs to be a me- meaningful. It needs to be like clear. It's like, hey, this contributes to the ultimate thing I'm trying to go for. So that as they're going through each module, there's that motivation, like, oh, I can see the progress happening and the milestones are stacking up to get to where you want to go. And then I often mm-hmm. say like, look, those milestones, they make up your modules. And then exactly. it's like, well, what do they need to know to hit that milestone? What skills do I need to give them? What uh, questions might they have? And so then that's where, you know, you're capturing all this other information that goes into lessons. And then you get to hopefully get rid of a bunch of it. Cause you're like, is this actually necessary for that milestone? That's uh, interesting, but maybe not get rid of it. Is this yeah. okay? Maybe that's a bonus thing over here. Right. And so then it helps you having that outcome and those milestones helps you exactly. really streamline because overwhelm is the number one reason people are not going to finish <laughs> the course. Right. Right. So you don't give right. Too much. And much of it is, you know, is looking at it. What do they need to know? And what's nice to know and really sort mm. that, you know, just kind of have that in mind to go, do they, is this something that they're going to need? to continue to advance and move forward because oftentimes experts, we get so much that we want to share and there's like this, Oh, but I gotta, Oh, but I gotta stop. But let's, but, but it's, let's step back. Let's look at what you're trying to do. And, you know, I've had people come forward. They say they want to make a course and I'll go, you got a whole curriculum here. You don't have a course. You have five courses, 10 courses. And so let's think about, how do we, you know, break it up so that the modules are going to be easy to consume? Like you were saying, Jason, you don't want people to get overwhelmed and not be able to finish. And the other side of it is the people that are working to create the courses, they can get overwhelmed by it because there's no, oftentimes right. there's like no, they don't come at it with an organizing schema or structure. Yeah. They just start, just start creating. And sometimes there is like that, um, divergent phase of the course creation. What I mean by that is like, you know, my, I had one student, she said she was in the, you know, in the middle of doing this milestones and curriculums. And she said she had sticky notes like everywhere. Right. Which was fine. Like she was just like, okay, these are all the different ideas and things I might want to teach it. And then she started grouping them and stuff. She's also an editor. And so she was, she was good at the like, okay, this right. can go out. Right. And so it's like, yeah, that divergent phase, you're like, okay, here's the ideas. I'm brainstorming. It's the messy middle. What's this going to be? But then you got to go into convergent mode where it's like, okay, is it in or is it out? Is yeah. this relevant? Is it not? And and bring it all to, together in the end. And some things you just save for another day. Yeah. And that's okay. That's great. 
So I, I I love that you brought up overwhelm is what stops people from completing courses, but what stops people from creating them? Is that also overwhelm? Definitely. That's a huge, that's a, you know, it's, I've got so much content. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I just can't even. And, and, and I think people will oftentimes they see it as another project instead mm. of, you know, they're not looking at what is the transformation for them. If I complete a course, what, you know, if I get this done, this is what it's going to do for me. I'm going to have more time. I'm going to have more freedom. I'm going to be able to serve more people. They kind of lose sight of their why. Mm. And then that can kind of, kind of cause things to stall. Other things uh, come in, come into play and, and take priority. I think overwhelm and one place that people can get really stuck is you mean I got to be on video and on a, and a <laughs> camera and, and they don't, you know, they could be great people, but unless they're seasoned presenters, being on camera is challenging. I've seen some of the nicest people I know, as soon as they see that light, they kind of, they, you know, they just, they. You're in headlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, those are a couple of spots. So definitely. Um, yeah, those are great. And a couple more I can think of. I know people sometimes are worried about, well, I don't want to make a course spend all that time investing in it just to find out that nobody wants it, that it's crickets. And there's a couple easy solutions to that. Mm -hmm. The first one is, I mean, being out very specific about the person, the outcome, that's the first thing. Second thing is go do a bit of research. Like I encourage my students to, and my program to like, go talk to half a dozen to 10 people who fit that ideal client uh, persona. Now you're not there to say like, Hey, I'm thinking about making this course. What do you think? Like, no, they're not going to be able to give you the right feedback. You're there to ask good open-ended questions about their experience. Tell me about the last time you tried to do that. What have you tried before? What was frustrating for you? Why is this important to you? And all this stuff helps you to confirm that you are hitting the right outcomes, that you're not missing anything. It'll help with the language and your messaging because you're getting their exact wording that they're using. And because of um, that, you know, that phenomenon that was Nancy mentioned is as we get more expert, we lose touch sometimes with what's needed yes. where they're at. So that reminds you of those things. So that's one thing is just doing good customer discovery can be such a validator. Plus it might find you some of your few first few people to take, take the course. And then the second thing is, well, don't create the whole thing before you sell it, sell it first. Like as long as you're clear enough on here's who it's for, here's what you're going to get done. And you can give them enough information for them to like, say they're in or out run a pilot first. That's you know going to save you so much heartache down the road by getting some feedback, by kind of co-creating through that first iteration of going through with a, a group. So you don't invest in, in necessarily making hours and hours of video that look pristine, but that were you know not necessarily needed because you didn't do your customer discovery yeah, and you can run questions. a pilot to help you dial it in. So if you do those steps, like you're, you can go a long ways to avoiding the whole launching to crickets idea and that can uh, move that out of the way. And, and to add to that, you know, if you're looking at a, a launch strategy of releasing lessons or modules over a period of time, have a few built. So if you get busy, mm -hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to miss your release time. So to be real clear on what's your work effort going to be. So you can say, okay, I can, I can crank out a, you know, something every two weeks or every month or whatever, or every week, whatever it is, but to be real clear on what it's going to take you to do it and create a buffer so that you honor the commitment that you make to your community when you're putting your, your content out there. Yeah. 
And then just set those expectations going in. Some people love being part of a pilot because they know they're going to get more of that direct access to you because you want their feedback. In fact, I love launching a new program saying, I'm looking for a case study group because I am. I want that initial set of people that I want to turn into success stories and they're going to be a part of that process of creating. And so, because sometimes people get nervous about, oh, I can't just go sell a beta program. It's like, no, in a lot of ways, they're going to be getting just as good or even better experience being a part of that and ensuring you're going to ensure that they get what they need yeah. because that's the whole point of running the pilot is to make sure you know exactly what people need to then turn that into the you know ongoing uh, official version of right. uh, the course. And they feel like they feel like insiders too. Yeah. Totally. I feel like this is like course creation 101, 102, <laughs> 103, 104, all wrapped into, into a nice little pretty bow. Before we move forward, our friend Cliff Ravenscraft is watching. Oh, hey, says Cliff. Hello. Long uh, time, Cliff. <laughs> yes, and, and Cliff's been on uh, Gold Chat Live a few times as well, and he's always got some awesome inspiration. So, uh, hi, Cliff. Yeah. We are glad that you are tuning in. And now back to our topic. So, <laughs> what now you've both mentioned there are all different types of courses. What is the, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. What is the easiest thing to do for those who want to dip the toe in as opposed to the cannonball plunge into the water? Mm. Well, here's what I would say. And that is uh, going back to the pilot idea, use tech you already have and tools you already know how to use. Like with that pilot, it doesn't need to be this fancy polish set up the whole, you know, platform kind of thing. I've sold pilots for several thousand dollars that got great results. And I basically used zoom mm -hmm. email and a Google drive folder, right? That where we stored the recordings and then Google docs to make my worksheets and frameworks and templates. Now later, again, you can turn those into the nicer version of those things, but um, that's one thing I say is like use the tech and tools you already have and know to use. And that's going to make it so much easier for you to run it. We talked about the milestones and the modules. Well, what if, I mean, you know, make it for whatever your, your needs are. But for instance, imagine you've got those five modules and milestones laid out. It's like, okay, what if it's a, a one hour zoom call once a week for those five weeks or every other week, if you think everyone's going to need 10 weeks to actually get through the process, maybe there's a Q and a in between, but you know, just set it up simple like that. And then you can bring out the fancier production level, you know, bells exactly. and whistles and, and things later. But uh, so th that's what I would, uh, that's one thing I would say to make it easy. And I think you can stand up something fairly quickly in zoom as opposed to doing an, an evergreen program. The other right. part is if you start in zoom, you you know it's like a it's like a double beta almost because you're you're taking your content you're testing it out in a format that's easy to change so if somebody ha doesn't understand it, um, instructions for a worksheet you can rewrite the uh, instructions and you're just dealing with text if uh, some of your images don't quite aren't quite what they need to be or the way that you've designed your slides or the content on your slides isn't quite right. That's it's an easy thing to to tweak a slide, a PowerPoint slide, a keynote slide or a document, as opposed to if you go right to doing evergreen and video content right away, that's it's more complicated to make changes because there's more people involved. So it's changing the slide. It's going back into doing the the editing. So I like to test things out in Zoom, which is kind of what I did for myself. 
before I created my online course about online courses is I, you know, presented and presented and presented on Zoom and I got it nailed down and really knew what people wanted and what they needed. Then I made the transition to an evergreen course. So uh, I actually followed my own advice, <laughs> which, you know, is, which is important. Then, you know, like, I love what you said, Jason, about start with the tools that you know, because you are, the people are already comfortable and you can bring in, I don't have it fired up today, but I use a product called Ecamm and I also use a stream deck. So I can do some simple transitions that really wow people on Zoom, but it's, it's all I'm doing is pushing a button to change the scene. So it goes from me on camera to a slide with me in a little circle in the corner to a screen share to whatever. And, you know, that was like, that was like, you know, level two. So just keep thinking about where you are, where can you start and just, and keep learning more, more tools that you can bring in more external apps. Um, instead of using the whiteboard and zoom, maybe use a Google Jamboard, maybe bring in a product like uh, Mentimeter to, uh, instead of a straight up polling question, can generate a word cloud or other types of output. So just keep thinking about, you know, it goes back to early in my career when I was learning the business and I had a manager who would always say, what can we do to make it better? Not that we're going to wait until it's perfect, but every iteration, what improvement can we make this time? And what can we do this time? And then it, it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming uh, when you're, when, as you're working through. And invest in a microphone. Yeah, that's one of the easiest <laughs> things you can do to make a productive yeah. is get a good, get a, a decent mic. Mm -hmm. Totally. And awesome. and lighting too. I did this thing uh, this year where I I have in front of me. I've got rid of all the tr the tripods because all the tripods for the lights was making me crazy. So I have a two a, two uprights on my desk and a pole that goes across the top, and I have a light mounted in either corner pointing down, and then I have. Uh, two side lights here so I can turn on as much or as little depending on the time of day. And it, it took me a while to figure out this setup, but there's a, the, a boom arm with the microphone. And then I have another boom arm if I want to bring in a camera and have multiple shots if I'm feeling, you know, especially fancy, but this was part of my own iteration yeah. and you know, what can I, how can I continue to, to up my game? Yeah. I, I, I love all this done is better than perfect philosophy and then up leveling. Um, what about charging for courses? Because I know that's something else that trips people up a lot. What is the rule of thumb? For the price? Yes. Um, well, here's I'll, I'll tell you one mistake to uh, avoid, and that is thinking that, well, more information is what makes it a higher price or more <laughs> modules or more videos. Going back to my one page and five minute video, you know, for $5,000 example, right? It's like, uh, it's it based price based on the value of what you're delivering. Sometimes I'll give you an example that's a little more obvious. And then, you know, we talk about how to apply that differently. So I have a client who is a, a great mediator for people who are getting divorced. And she's, she's so just compassionate in the way that she goes about it. And, um, you know, just exactly who you want to have on your side when you're going through something hard. And so she made this course, which is like, there's so many people who are like, you know, afraid and confused, don't know what to expect when they suddenly figure out they're going to be going through a, a divorce. So she made this course that goes through the basics of what to expect, what to get together. And in terms of value that she's delivering, I mean, 
it's very easy in the pitch for the course to say, okay, what, what is the average hourly for a divorce lawyer at a minimum? You know, it's like 300 to $500 and here in New York, it's 500 and up. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> you easily will save two to three hours of talking to a lawyer who, you know, trying to explain this stuff to you as opposed to buying her course for a few hundred dollars that will get you that. And then you can, you know, still, you know, talk to her or whatever. So, you know, there we're making a direct correlation in terms of savings, you know, putting money back in their pocket, time back in their pocket. Sometimes it's not so obvious, right? Like how do you put money on like reducing somebody's stress for, for instance, definitely value there may be a little bit harder though that's what you want to be thinking of is like, in what ways am I making a realistic impact in, in the, the changes of, and also be thinking about what else might they be spending money on or what's it going to cost them not to finally get this thing taken care of. Right. Um, you know, if you are somebody who teaches people to better manage their uh, ADHD and let's say specifically entrepreneurs, you know, you can make all these uh, you know, entrepreneurs, they, they don't want to drop balls. They don't want to look unprofessional. They don't want to be forgetting, you know, or struggling with their focus and ADHD. So it's like, you're putting money and time and back in their pocket by saying, I'm going to help you not drop those balls that then end up costing you all this time to fix. I'm going to help you, you know, right. So that's what you want to go for is pricing according to the value as best as you, you can. Um, and then let, let's see what Nancy has to say about it. That's yeah. my that's my initial. No, I, I totally agree with you, Jason. That that's the that is the 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 way to look at it. A, another step people can take when they're doing the the primary research that you spoke about before is to look at who else does your target audience buy services from, mm. and kind of get a sense of what are they and where are they what are they charging, and then look at it and say, okay, if you're willing to spend you know, thousand dollars with Jason, then perhaps you're willing to spend a thousand dollars with me. I mean, I'm just you know, putting that out there, but uh, that's just a way to get a sense of where are they? You know, I'm working with someone now and her target audience initially was going to be single mothers. Well, if you're looking at selling to a single mother, as opposed to an executive, their budgets are different. So it's part of it is what is it that they're, you know, big, I'm big about What's the transformation? What are they going to get? How's that going to impact their life? And you can look at it in terms of, you know, financials, quality of life, and then think about, well, where, where is, is the market such that where does it fall into what they're going to do? Now, some people, depending on, you know, how, uh, how tough things are, they're, they may be willing to make a big investment because they may look at it and go, this, this, I believe that this program is what's going to move me forward. So there's a, there's a lot of factors involved and, you know, perhaps we can even look at it from the perspective of, do you have different levels? So there's maybe an easy yes. So maybe there's an initial program that's $97 that get, gets them uh, to know you, to like you, to trust you. And then from there, then maybe they're ready to go to the $2,000 program, the, you know, just the kind of moving up in, in, in levels. So kind of when you're getting started and you're just putting the first uh, item out there, think about what's an easy yes. Ooh, I like that. Jason, did you want to add to that? Uh, I mean, that's all great. Let's see. Uh, I guess another thing I'd say is make sure that it makes sense for you in terms of the time that you're putting in. I mean, yes. of course, what we're trying to do here is increase your capacity to serve in less of your time. And as you're designing, you know, that experience of the course, like, 
is it going to involve you doing some some live Q and A's, or is there an occasional one on one call with you, or you know, is it purely digital, do it yourself? You know, like all of that's going yes. to because obviously the more time of your own you're putting in, like you want to do the math and make sure that it makes sense, right? Like, you know, you're not selling hourly, but still like maybe do some average time and divide it out and like, okay, this comes out to 500 bucks an hour per student or whatever. And it's like, okay, that feels good to me. So do the math a little bit, the best you can, and make sure it makes sense in terms of the value of your own time. Cause there's nothing worse than not charging enough and then resenting the fact that you need to <laughs> I gotta, I gotta teach these people. <laughs> right. And then you're not doing your best work and it, it's just not a win not all a around in that case. Yeah. So um, that's, that's another thing I would add. Yeah, it's really the more of your time that the more of your time you're going to spend in the course, then the then that's that's a big other big factor in what's the what's the value of the course. If they're just going to do something on their own independently, that's a lower ticket item. But if you're going to be there showing up every week for two hours, that's a whole other story. That's another end of the continuum. And price is another thing you experiment and iterate on. I mean, there's no magic formula. People really don't like it when I don't just give them a number. It's like, okay, so for a group course that's eight weeks long, how much should it be? And I I wish, I wish I could just hand you a formula, but it just doesn't work. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So, you know, one thing I do is I'll close my eyes. And this kind of goes back to your value of your own time, but also, you know, there's your confidence in, in, saying the price and charging the price and marketing to that, your ability to establish the value in your marketing copy, in your sales copy, there's the proof that you've built up that then reinforces that. So as all these things get dialed in, you're able to charge higher more easily, right? So you might like close your eyes and imagine the price going up. It's like, ooh, okay, right there, that feels that feels like that might be hard for me to quote that price. It's like, okay, well, maybe that's your comfort zone and that's the one, but you know, then test next, you know, after a little bit of time, try selling it at a little higher price. And you, sometimes you might be surprised like, wow, they didn't even balk at the price. I mean, I, I sell most of my courses on the phone because they're at that price point that it requires that. So I get to see people's reactions. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, next time I'm bumping it up by 10% or we're going to see what happens. And, you know, this isn't just about milking people for all the money, but it's about figuring out what the value it is to others and also building your own muscle of being comfortable and like saying, no, what I do has this value. And I do want to charge that amount for it too. So um, it can, it's something you can experiment with and iterate over, over time as well. Yeah. Excellent point. It, it sounds like confidence is like the main ingredient for creating courses or up there, right? Yes. You need to have the knowledge, but you need to have enough faith in yourself to invest your time and energy into creating things that will help others. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. then. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, what I would say to add, add yes. to that is, it, it, I mean, when somebody says, like, when am I ready to create a course? I know mean, there's all kinds of things strategically in your business, but there is one, you know, a couple criteria when somebody says, like, am I ready to take your program on how to make my program? And one is like, well, do you, are you confident in your ability to deliver results to the client you're working with already? Because if the answer isn't yes yet, okay spend a little more time doing your one-on-one and dialing in the the process and figuring out what works to del- deliver results dependably, then we can transition that into another format, for instance. So I guess that's one way, yeah, that confidence does help because you want to be confident in the process that you're taking people through to get them to those outcomes in order to effectively turn it into a program. And the other thing that I was going to correlate the confidence to is something that Nancy mentioned earlier, which is turning on that camera. 
and talking mm-hmm. right. to yourself and work to people, right? So what are some of the things people can do to get better at that, to develop that skill? I mean, I love talking to people, but for me to not talk to people, like I'm talking to people, even for me, that that's a challenge, right? Like if, I, if I'm doing a workshop and it's not interactive, I know the people are there. Great. But still, you know? Well, I think starting on Zoom is a great place. And I think to be to be practicing enough times, it's not always practice, but be delivering enough times where you start to just embody the content, you know, kind of in the, in the format that we're in now, you know, we all know enough about what we do that if you ask a question, we can answer the question. And you need to be at that place that you are really dialed into your into your content. That if somebody called you and said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow that you could, you could show up and you could deliver, deliver a program. Now, when we get into the video space, what I think becomes challenging is you're just looking at a camera. You don't have an audience to, to, to feed off of. Certainly the best is when you're in person, because you can really pick up in the energy in the room. When you're on zoom, you've got some people are on camera. Some people are off camera. Some people are like multi, you know, so you, you, you it's kind of, you're, you're working to be, engaging, but there's all these kind of distractions around people. So you've got to be there and really know your content well, be able to mix it up, be able to put in exercises and activities that keep people with you. I did something the other day where it was brilliant. They said that there was going to be a trivia question at the end of each, was multiple speakers, at the end of each speaker's segment. And if you could answer the trivia question, then you got whatever their bonus offer was. So just the fact that there was a little prize mm. <laughs> in line that made people, I got to pay attention because I want the prize. So, so thinking about, you know, it's about keeping people engaged. Now, when you move to going to video, it's not an or- as organic as an experience as it can be on zoom because you want to say as much as you can, in as little time as possible. And to do that, you need a script. And working, and I believe in working with a teleprompter as well. So then it's learning about where's the camera, where's the where's the teleprompter copy so that I can be delivering naturally, I don't that I don't appear like I'm reading. And that's a skill that takes a little bit of time to acquire. And the reason why I suggest this is if people say, I, I'm great, I'll just wing it. You've got a risk of just kind of wandering around and not staying on point. And I can raise my hand to be guilty of this. If something pops into my head, I am compelled to say it in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and, it, and it may lose, it may lose the thread. And, and you want to make your videos as concise as possible well, for two reasons. Number one, you're going to keep people more interested. Number two, it's will cost you less in in editing if there isn't as much footage to to deal with. So it's it's you know, and again, this is all just part a part of 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 just learning and continuing to grow and develop. And there's lots of people out there that can help you know coach for on camera confidence and to really make sure that you shine and you show up your best way possible. That's awesome. Jason, did you want to add to that? Um, 
I mean, I think that's all great. I don't know if I have anything to add to that. Um, I mean, I, I guess so some some of my course materials are, I'm actually not on camera. That is an option sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do think that it's more engaging if people can see you and, you know, maybe you're, you know, you've got, maybe you're, you know, drawing or doing things or you're down here in the corner and writing on an iPad and it's showing up on it. Right. But again, iteration, you can get there. Right. On the road. So you also can, you know, maybe version one, you make some videos that it's, it's capturing some visuals on screen and you don't have to worry about your face being on screen. And then it is easier to like read the, the script and, um, you know, and, and not think about the three things at once. So like, I'm trying to read the script and also and look at the camera <laughs> and remember where I stuff, Right. So just, you know, step into it as th- there are a lot of steps between yes. just presenting it live off the cuff on zoom. And then like the polished, you know, with the lights and the teleprompter and everything. And, you know, Hey, that's, that's great to get there. And then you can also do things in between as, as your confidence, your skills, your budget allow. You know, and it's what I think is important is that there's a lot of movement. If you think about it, we're used of consuming entertaining content, news content on screens. Everybody that's on the planet today, that's the main way that we take in information. And if you watch any type of program, the scenes are changing like this. Mm. So I believe that our brains are conditioned for these rapid scene changes. And then when we go in to do our courses, what do we do? A lot of talking, talking head, uh, image up for things to images up stay up for way too long. So if you can be thinking through and kind of go through this exercise of when, as I say this sentence, I want this to show up. Then I say this, I want this to show up and keep the, keep the, the movement going. So if you have voiceover slides, you can just keep having the imagery changing, but then if you add yourself into it, so you can open it up, but then you can do things like have a graphic come up on the bottom that emphasizes a point have be position yourself to one side so that then text can be put on the screen next to you. And again, these are all steps that you can take to improve, but I think it's, it's about it. The, 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 to me, the main part about engagement is having these, these things change that people are looking at to hold their interest. Uh, I watched the United safety brief and the only time you know, if the flight attendant's right here, I look at her because, you know, or him because I don't want to be mean. But when it's on the video, I watched the video and I counted, was counting how often the scene changed in this mm. training video. And I'm glad that I finally know how to put on a seatbelt. Um, <laughs> right. But it was very often it, I, I stopped counting at, I think, 75. And there was still a, probably another two minutes left in the video. The other thing about it that was brilliant is not only was it educational but it, the scenes change to different parts of the world that would be fabulous to travel to. So they had me on two levels. Mm. They did their job meeting their requirements for safety, but they also made me think about, you know, Bali looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll be my next trip. So you're, you know, you, there's different uh, elements that are going on and it's, you know, again, and I don't want to make to now scare people off and make them think this is really just very overcomplicated, but it's not that difficult to create a series of PowerPoint slides and have a different graphic 
on each slide and use that and put your voice behind it as phase one. And if you um, really are thoughtful that the words and the pictures connect, you'll be far above a lot of the courses that are out there. Because sadly, a lot of people are saying, here, buy my online course, and it's a webinar recording, you know, and I wasn't part of the webinar. I don't care about the questions that the people had in the webinar. You're kind of wasting my time by making me watch quite a bit here that, frankly, I don't care about. And I think it's been detrimental to the course marketplace that so many people are just pushing out uh, a, a webinar and not saying what it is. Hey, nothing wrong with selling your recording, but just say, here's a great recording that I want to share with you because it's, um, it just, it, it's, there's this level of mediocrity that drives me crazy when you don't have to do that much more to be a whole heck of a lot better. Mm. As you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this presentation, this goal setting simplified presentation that, that I gave last week. And I, I am guilty. You know, I've got determine your mission and the five steps and I keep, I go through the five steps, but that can be like 20 slides the five steps just to right. go through that. Ooh, now I've just given myself homework. Thanks a go. lot. <laughs> I mean, thanks a lot. But I, but I see what you're saying, how you could do just little things that will amp things up a lot. And I think that that's the start where you are with what you have and then look for little things that you could do to amp things exactly. up. Exactly. And I just, I want to go back to zoom for a moment before I forget Another uh, way that you can elevate yourself fairly quickly is to have somebody act as your digital producer or concierge where they can monitor what's going on in the chat. They can put all the different links in. If somebody's having a problem with something, you know, somebody comes in late, they didn't get the handout. You don't have to disrupt your flow, but to just have that second person that their whole responsibility is the technology just frees you up to just be there and be present for your, for your audience. So uh, I, and I believe it or not, I've got a personal example to this as well. I just presented at the engaging conference. I did my, my pep talk, the pre-event planning happy hour. And John Chen said, do you want a producer? And I'm, okay. <laughs> How you go back to not having a producer after having a producer Mm-hmm. I don't know, but to have that extra person putting in the links, doing all of the things, the the opening music, letting people in, finding the links and putting them in the chat, and then you could just concentrate on what you know, which is the content. Yes, and it's engaging really, the audience. It's so it's so nice to be able to do that. It just it just ups your game. And that the name of the game is to up the game and keep improving. Keep <laughs> well. If you're tuning in, you have course creator goals, whether you've started them or. And like I said, most of my courses I do as webinars because I like the interaction. I you you may have converted me because now I I'm I've got an idea that I'm thinking about. Hmm, that would make a really interesting course that no one is doing. So mm. I will there you keep go. you both posted on that. But so much food for thought on the because the sphere, it's there's so many different levels that people don't even think about. This yeah. has been just amazing. 
Jason, anything else about presenting you want to add before we start sharing some goals for the audience to get them on the course creator train? I mean, I guess I'd say if you're if you are going to start out, as we've suggested, maybe just doing uh, the Zoom version of the course, um, you know, do brush up on your Zoom skills a bit. If you have a producer, that'll that'll help quite quite a bit. But you know, there's just uh, kind of to add on to that. There's little things you can do to make the Zoom experience more. I mean, we all know that all the little friction points and blips and bobbles and things that disrupt a meeting or the flow or whatever. So. Um, you know, spending a little time to make sure that you are familiar with the interface and the basic, uh, you know, functions and things to to run, to keep things, uh, to set them up well and, and keep them running as, as best as possible is, is worthwhile. And they change every week, it feels like. There are new little toy things on Zoom. Yes. <laughs> and just taking a little bit of time really is going to up your presentation for sure. And, and to tie to that, don't do a Zoom upgrade right before you're going to present oh, something. <laughs> because the things can move around on the screen. There's, you know, whatever. And you can, then, you, then that's just like, you know, it adds an unnecessary stress. So after you do your program, then upgrade. Or alternatively, make sure you've logged into Zoom that day like a few hours. So it doesn't automatically do the upgrade for you. Oh, you can't yes. stop it. Yes. <laughs> wow. So much information. I really feel like I've been, I've been to like university of course creation. I thank you both so much, Nancy and Jason. What goals would you like to gift our audience? What can they do today, tonight, like immediately to either start or up level? their course creation. Jason, do you want to go first? Yeah. So <clears throat> the first, uh, so yeah, if we're, we're setting goals like actions, you can go and, and take that would move this forward, give you confidence, put you on the right path, uh, help you stand out from others trying to also make courses. I would say it's that uh, customer discovery interview thing that I was talking about. And, you know, sometimes at first when I mention this, people are like, oh, I got to go talk to people. I mean, you know, look, I'm an introvert, just like even though I run a networking community and stuff, <laughs> I know it takes energy to talk to people sometimes. Some people it comes easily. However, I will tell you the, the number of insights you'll get. And in fact, often I end up feeling excited about what I'm going to create because I've got more clarity. I'm seeing their um, responses to things I'm asking and saying uh, they're sharing things where I'm like, oh, I know how I can help them with that. Right. And so it's so worth the time to just spend a couple of weeks, go to your network, go to your email list, your social media following, you know, there are a lot of different ways to find the people and just run those interviews because it's going to make everything else so much easier and make sure you're on the right path. So mm -hmm. that's one of the suggestions I would make. Love that. Thank you. And Nancy, what goal do you want to gift? Well, first I agree a hundred percent with the goal that Jason put out there. And I think that's definitely the, the first thing you want to do is tie into your audience. Then step back and take a look at what do you already have? Do you have articles? Have you been on podcasts? Have you done presentations? Have you written a book? What, where are places that you can potentially mine for content? Cause I think that that creates a bit of ease to go, okay, mm. I've got, I've got, a, I've got information that I can start with. I'm not, starting on a blank with a blank sheet of paper. Uh, you can also spend some time 
go out to ChatGPT or another AI tool and pose questions there and perhaps ask it to give you an outline for the program that you're thinking about doing. You never want to use what you get from AI 100%. You got to look at it and tweak it and make it sound like you and reflect you and your unique spin. So let's say if you're involved in leadership, there's a lot of people doing leadership. What makes you unique to leadership or sales or whatever whatever the topic might be? Yeah. There's a whole AI thing. You bring up, you know, a whole different tangent. Yeah. Where do you draw that line? I look at it that I never have to start with a blank sheet of paper again. I think of AI as I have a very capable assistant that needs very specific instructions to be able to provide me with what I need. And I look at it as if I were to ask somebody to go and do research on a particular topic and, okay, give me what you have, then I would look at it and I would then personalize it. I would bring in my own experience, my stories to make it come to life. Uh, you don't ever, you don't ever want to use it to, uh, you don't want to use it to replace your expertise. You want to use it to be able to give you a starting point to bring your um, thoughts and ideas forward. I think that people that think that they can then now teach about anything to anybody because they'll just have chat GPT do it. That's like back in the day when you would buy a private label, you know, a white label course on sales, but you've never sold anything in your life. Okay. So (laughs) it's like, so it's just, it's, it's like, it's changing the way that, that we work and it's all about really having good, clear, specific prompts. Got Perfect it. answer. I have nothing to add to that. Totally. That's exactly how <laughs> I look at it too. Great answer. Awesome. Okay. Where are my gold stars? You guys, you, here you go. You both oh. have gold stars. And those of you tuning in, you get <laughs> gold stars as well because you're choosing yourself in this path potentially for getting your expertise out there. Where can people learn more about you, Nancy? Well, the best place to find me is at my website, which is nancygeary.com. And my email is easy because it's nancy at nancygeary.com. Wow. that t- I'm all about goal setting simplified. You can't get more simplified than that. So wonderful. And Jason, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, so jasonvanorden.com and to give you a couple reasons to check it out and maybe get on my newsletter there, I regularly run very actionable free workshops to help you get started on some of these things. If you're not sure what your course idea should be, if you're trying to get a little more specific about who your ideal client is or better understand their outcomes, um, I, I, I make it my goal to allow give people a chance to see what it would be like to be my client long before they're actually my client. And um, so, you know, if... if to go deeper on any of these things would mm-hmm. love to have you involved in uh, some of those workshops I, I run on a regular basis. Okay. Do you want to um, tell everybody what gem is as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great one too. So then I also run a uh, networking community that brings together coaches, consultants, other experts with content creators, podcasters, and, you know, live streamers, stuff like that. And the whole goal is to facilitate getting 
people with great ideas onto platforms to help them get the visibility for those ideas. But lots of other great collaborations and and uh, connections happen through those meetings as well. We meet uh, once a month on the second Thursday of the month. And uh, if you go to jasonvanorden.com forward slash gem, G-E-M, which stands for Generous Entrepreneurs in Media, uh, we'd love to have you attend if uh, if that sounds of value to you. Awesome. And I will put all of this in the recap. I am at the Deb Method everywhere. And if you go to thedebmethod.com slash blog, you will get the recap to this, the previous shows, the links. I also put in my guest LinkedIn links as well. So if this resonates with you, send one or all of us a connection request with a note saying that this is where we met. Thank you so much, Nancy and Jason, for joining today. Um, and thank you, listeners, watchers, for tuning in. What um, final thoughts do you want to leave our um, audience with, Jason? Um, here's, what, here's what I would say. I have on my other screen down here Spotify, which is an amazing app that lets me find any specific piece of music I want to listen to for my mood, right? If I want jazz klezmer, I type jazz klezmer in, and there's a playlist that says jazz klezmer. Now, what does this have to do with what we're talking about today? You are someone's jazz klezmer playlist. What I mean is that people know that they can find the exact fit of the expert, the type of person, the kind of support, the kind of community they want to be a part of. And even though there might be thousands of other people with a similar expertise out there, there's something about you and the playlist that you provide that is exactly what they're looking for. And so if you can not only just dial into, uh, you know, providing that outcome, but knowing like the kind of person that you, that resonates with you most, you've got that crowd out there. So going bigger with, with courses is a great way to go to get that message out uh, further. I love that analogy. That's great. That's fabulous. Sorry, you have to follow that, Nancy. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what, as you were talking, what I was thinking is oftentimes with music, we start with a single song and mm. we love that single song. And then we be, we think, oh, what else might they have? So then we go and we maybe we build a playlist based on that particular person. So when you're just moving and getting started, think about what is the individual course that you can create that's going to bring your audience to you, the people that you want to work with, the people that you want to serve to really get everything started and to create some excitement and create a buzz. Cause I believe that everybody is brilliant and it's my role to help you figure out, well, just how do you bundle that brilliance mm. into a great I, online program? I, I love that tagline. It, it's, it really, it, it suits you and it works for you indeed, but that's it. I, and this is why I do this and I get to bring cool people like you together. People need this information so they can have that inspiration, that motivation, so they can embrace themselves, their goals, and create the better life, the one that they deserve, but also help others in the process. So thank you again, Nancy Geary and Jason Van Orden for joining today. Thank you for tuning in, whether you're watching this as Gold Chat Live or listening to the Dev Show podcast on the Marketing Podcast Network. We are live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, and then you can subscribe at the Dev Method on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. Um, okay, you have all the tools. Go on there, create your courses. Uh, we know you can do it.
Thanks for listening to The Dev Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.